This is Resist and Renew. The UK-based podcast about social movements. What we're fighting for, why, and how it all happens. The hosts of the show are... Me, Kat. Uh, me, Sammy. And me, Ali. I'm recording this now, baby. Shit, it's a podcast! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the second episode of the Resist and Renew Season 2 Toolbox um, last time we talked about conflict in general, we talked about how we three feel about it as facilitators, as people in groups, as people. Um, we talked a bit about what we're going to cover in the toolbox this season. Um, and we also had um, some introduction to what we mean by conflict uh, and and some of the ideas that we're sort of using throughout this toolkit to shape our thinking. Um, in this episode, we're going to do a deeper dive here on ideas that people often have about conflict uh, and why they might not be uh, so great. Sammy, do you want to tell us more about that? Sure. Yeah. So I guess maybe we can start by just like putting forward some like axioms or assumptions, I guess, about like conflict and our thoughts around it, just to make sure we're all starting from the same page. So one is that like and we touched on this a lot in the last chat, like how we think and feel about conflict is shaped by our histories, the society we live in, cultures, internal norms, assumptions, all these kind of things. Like there's a hodgepodge of different uh, different things that go into that mix of how we think about conflict and how we interact with conflict. And what that means in practice is that um, the ways in which we interact with conflict will be like shaped by a lot of that stuff. But because a lot of these things are like societal norms or maybe like unspoken norms in groups, they're not always norms that we're aware of affecting our behavior. So I guess that's partly why we want to spend some time in it today is like to draw out and make explicit, bring into the spotlight some of these norms so that people can listening can be like, oh yeah, I definitely, I feel that thing. <laughs> I feel those totalizing feelings or whatever. I guess we'll see. Let's talk about what the things are. Um, and like, and so those things will, and I guess the third maybe like assumption-y type thing, axiom type thing, is that like these ideas and these norms can often be the causes of why, how people think they should act when they're in conflict and how people actually do act when they're in conflict don't match up. <laughs> um, so what we want to do now is spend some time thinking of like some of those assumptions, some of those norms, some of those frames, and like what they can mean in practice. Guess I can go. I feel uh, feel very uh, feel like a very philosophical thought experimenty thing. Axiom, such a big word. <laughs> it's because it's because I'm a mathematician. I always talk like I'm a mathematician. I try and hide it normally, but it's always there. <laughs> what are our What are our base assumptions here? <laughs> um, yeah, I can go first. So one idea that I am definitely guilty of bringing into conflict um, or one thing, an idea I have around conflict which shows up is conflating the idea that people doing something I don't like, something that's bad, makes them a bad person. And that is uh, a bit of a sneaky shift, I feel. Like it's like, def I definitely like don't see it and then I catch it later where I'm like oh wait I'm deeply deeply annoyed with this person and it's gone way beyond like what they actually did but I'm like just seeing them as like I'm so annoyed with you and yeah I guess 
what that does, what's the impact of that kind of assumption and thought is it doesn't give me much like empathy for like some of the understanding of like why they might have done some things and it doesn't give me much like um, motivation to like engage with them as a person because I'm like well they're just bad so write them off kind of thing and I it when I catch myself doing that I have to like do some like unpacking of that in my own head and like being like okay is that true no it's not what else could have been going on here do maybe go back to that like conflict iceberg model we brought back in season one and be like okay I can see those positions are really separate and like why is that pissed me off so much what might have been driving them and like just do some of that in my own head and like I can feel like a shift in my own self being like oh okay I I feel like I've got a bit more space now now that I'm moving away from them being an inherently bad person now I might have a bit of space to talk to them but if I don't do that unpacking then I'm not very like open to dialogue in that sense so yeah can I jump in with a question? I'm just a bit curious about something you said. Like how, when you said you catch yourself, I'm really interested in that because it feels like once you've caught yourself and you're then doing that work of like dialing yourself back from the narratives around them being a bad person and trying to build in that empathy, that's like really great. But I'm wondering like, what is the the work of catching yourself? Like how do you notice that that's what you're doing or how do you help yourself shift? Because I find when I'm in that place, I get so stuck in the err that it's really difficult. I don't want to be moved out of it. I kind of, I'm holding it just for holding it. So yeah, I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you can share just a bit about how you do that shift. Um, so one of the ways that I noticed this recently was thinking about like, nervous system reactions and like the defaults between like uh fight flight freeze dissociate and all that kind of stuff and like how those are tied with responses to conflict and like my initial one is like a freezy one of like oh god rabbit in the headlights kind of thing this is a bit scary and then i can feel myself if i go past that i don't always go past that then i go to like fight and i'm like fuck that guy <laughs> i'm so pissed off with him and it's usually like a bodily sensation and like oh wait that's that's different from what it was before and like noticing the internal state around things can that can be a catching mm. moment as well but it doesn't always happen that quickly and sometimes i can hold those thoughts for a long time <laughs> So one of the one of the lessons to take away from this conversation, just because we're given a series of talks on conflict, doesn't mean we're all saints. <laughs> Which I think we said at the start, but we should probably just keep saying again and again in all the conversations. Um I think that was really useful, Ali. Did you have anything else to say on that? Or because so. uh, I've got a different one that I want to throw in. Okay, cool. So another idea um that I think can play out a lot is this um frame that conflict is a zero something so meaning like conflict is a thing if there's two people that are like in conflict or whatever um one of them will win and one of them will lose and that will be the outcome of the the conflict that will be the conclusion and i think there's a few things that that like um 
foregrounds and a few things that like hi- like a few things that highlights and a few things that hides. I think there's something in that idea of like it being zero sum, i.e., there is one winner and one loser. I think often means is that that's a thing that can lead to like, well, I think this other person has like won this conflict in the sense of like people are looking on them positively and think that they did the right thing in the situation or whatever. And that means, therefore, I must have done the wrong thing because if other people are seeing them as the winner, that means I must be the loser. And that kind of dynamic, um, I think, can be like a really uh, powerful internal narrative, but that often lends itself to that kind of like tit for tatty, like, oh, well, I don't want to make sure I don't want them to come out of this well at all because that means I'll be the loser. So I want to make sure that they're the loser so that that means I win. (laughs) Even if what you're doing is cutting off your nose to spite your face (laughs) and you're not like actually doing something that benefits yourself at all. Um, I think it's that kind of like winner loser mindset. Like I think we're planning, we're going to talk about this again in the future in a little bit of a thing, but like, I think it does stem from that, like, societal punitive approaches to justice type thing of like there's something really in that around like it lends itself to quite a fact-finding thing of like what like what's the right evidence that we can find that shows that i am the correct person in the situation that shows that i should be the person that should like win this conflict um that often can lend itself to a very like well you did this first and then i did that and then blah 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 blah, blah type thing off which sometimes is helpful in these kind of like group conflicts often isn't like and often just leads to you like treading the same ground but not necessarily making much progress and it not it's not really beneficial for anybody that's involved and i think lends itself better to certain types of people than others like people who can like keep calm and remember details and all this kind of thing which i say because i can't keep calm and i remember very few details (laughs) i remember vibes of things um so like that's it's definitely a feeling that i have a lot um in those kind of discussions um and i think probably the main flaw of it is like it hides the fact that like everybody could benefit like everybody there could be a positive outcome for everybody from a conflict even if it's not necessarily like your preferred way of getting to the positive outcome like start with where you are and it could be that like the process of having these discussions and like it's definitely a thing that that I always think about it as like a relationship thing, like like a romantic relationship thing, like having arguments with your partner. It's rarely a pleasant experience at the time, but then if handled well, can lead itself to be like, okay, well, we really clash about that thing, like what was going on? And they can have a chat and then like, you can like really help deepen a relationship or can really help move you to a better place or that kind of thing. So like, I think it really hides that fact that like, conf- like conflict may not be the choice of how you'd, choose to improve relationships but given the conflict will happen it is potentially a thing that can be used in that like shape change deal with deal the hand you've got what's the phrase play the hard you play the hand you're dealt that's the card phrase play the hand you're dealt there you go smooth nice can i come in on that i feel like there was two thoughts which came up for me one was the fact finding prove prove your case kind of thing it feels kind of legalistically and it feels like it fits with like potentially certain like personality traits or even like identities which are more mainstream Mm. it's like confident speakers and yeah like people who remain calm and not people who get emotional about things and not people who like uh express feelings rather than facts Mm. which 
that tends to be like a certain type of person and not other kinds of persons and that's kind of bad mm. <laughs> yeah and i think there is something really in that like i think one of the like one of the like like englishy framings around conflict is like if you are a person that expresses feelings then you are the person that loses the conflict <laughs> like there's that real like bullshit debate culture thing of like mm -hmm. this is just a rational like marketplace of ideas man type thing and i think that that is most often the that's the one that i hit up against the most because like i am not a person that is great at uh having a dispassionate conversation about something that i'm passionate about like it's it's mm -hmm. it, it's a thing which i really i find difficult um and i'm passionate about loads of things so it comes up a lot and so like it's there's a real power that can come in like a lot of the norms in in our uh in like a lot of spaces i think a lot of like more mainstreamed spaces a lot of more mainstreamed behaviors around like dealing with things like rationally and coolly and not having emotions and how any emotion will immediately write off what you say um that I think, yeah, there definitely feels like there's a crossover there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and there was another thought I was going to have as well, which was, I feel like this like zero sum way of thinking about conflict fits really well with groups and urgency, because it's when it's like a conflict about what we do. And what we do is has to be done really quickly. It's like, do this action, do this like event do it now because the crisis is happening right now it often is kind of zero sum in within the within the amount of time available even though that's totally not the case in reality like you can slow down and look at things and see how everyone's needs can be met and everyone's ideas could be taken into account but it just can't be done that quickly and if everyone is like running 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 mm -hmm. to get the thing done then people tend to get left by the wayside mm. and that's, yeah, yeah, for sure. that's not great. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that kind of brings into the next one. I don't know if that wasn't, you were done on that one, Sammy. Okay, yeah. So I feel like there's another another thing that I see in groups and experience a lot of myself around like this focus on getting things done. And there's this sense of like, often as, as groups who are organising for social justice or climate justice or whatever we're organising for, um, there is like this sense of the real work is the organising and we've got to get it done and it needs to be done a really long time ago because these harms are happening and we've got to get it done. And we do have to get it done. And also when we're trying to get it done, we don't always agree with each other and sometimes we create harm in the process but because of this urgency and because of the sense of what we've gathered together to do is often outward fo focusing and needs to get done, it's a sense that conflict or having feelings about what's happening is a distraction or a waste of time. And if you try and raise something, you're seen as like disrupting the purpose of the group in some way. Um, and can be shamed for that, can be told that there's not enough time and to like wait or to just not bring it at all. Um, and it can really silence um, the desire to bring to bring difference, to bring challenge, to bring feelings, to bring opposition maybe to what's happening. Uh, and in this sense of like, everything's got to happen really fast. We're also often, I often find I'm like, get super stressed 
which makes me more likely to have conflicts and more likely to notice when things aren't okay because I'm like more raw at the edges. Um, but if we're then in a space where there's no time or it's seen as a distraction, it can make it really hard to raise up stuff that can be in service of the group um, and of what we're trying to do, um, but is seen as as not helpful. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, I feel really stuck with this one, actually, like in general of like when there is like a, a need to be doing this work and a need to get this work done, how conflict can be seen as like, generative necessary part of the work not something that is like a distraction or a waste of time or taking away from the main focus um when everyone feels like or seems to be very strung out um and it's this sort of balance of how do you weave in conflict almost like it's just a normal part of the process um and i wonder if it's because perhaps in my head i see conflict as like something that is a bit scary and happens like when things are really bad um that's when we get in the like waste of time frame and if it was like this is just something that's always going to be part of how we work it's not a waste of time it's part of it it would feel very different um but yeah a bit stuck with that one yeah if i can come in on that i think there's there was a session that myself and ali were running the other day and i think one of the one like basically the first point i think we made about conflict maybe in the whole session was basically like conflict is normal <laughs> like and like a, then a lot of the other stuff followed on from that and i think that's um what 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 feels like a, like a really crucial part of that and i think what where the difficulty comes in and maybe could be linked to the feelings of being stuck is around like i think often like it's it's easy to think um or probably if you're listening to this conversation, like it's easy to think like, oh yeah, like I'd really like to be in a space where like conflict feels generative and like it can really help improve relationships and blah, 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 blah. And I guess the difficulty is like, that is a, that is a cultural attitude. That is a like social norm within a space around conflict and what it is that is linked to a set of values that's like care is important and things like that. And like, if what you, if the problem that you're facing is like people don't live those values in the same way and people basically like bluntly often don't think that care is important enough to potentially postpone other work and things like that. Like it's not like a, Oh, it's fine. We'll just ch do a check-in at the start of a meeting and then magically everything will be okay. Like it's a, it's a cultural shift that has all of the difficulties of a cultural shift in that. Like, it's not just like, oh, I've got to institute this ritual and then it will be fine. You're like shifting. There's so many bits in terms of how people interact in and out the space and all those kind of things. So it's like, it's a big, it's not, it's not a small shift, though it's a small shift to describe. It's not a small shift to do, I guess. Yeah. And I guess what comes up for me for, around that is the urgency piece and like how, how people think about social change and how like when is it going to happen? When are we going to have won? It's like, if you think we're going to win in the next year, then sure, let's throw throw everything at it and <laughs> we'll deal with it after the revolution in air quotes, which is just a, such a bullshit idea. But if we think we're going to win in like 50, 100, 200 years, we need, we need to be in it with each other the whole time. And like, that makes the conflict worth it and like going through it worth it if we're going to be working with each other for like the rest of our lives because we won't have like transformed everything by the time I'm dead uh so yeah I think like holding that in mind mm. 
probably for me gives a different framing around like mm-hmm. the time and the effort required mm. it's the classic prefigurative politics line right like the your your means should be your ends in practice you're not just trying to achieve distant goals you're trying to like you're trying to do stuff in a way that is not shit to get to a place that is not shit <laughs> like and that is i mean i have a better vision than things not being shit but you get the gist like and i think that's <laughs> like we're in it for the long haul i feel like is a phrase that comes up a lot in like the groups that i'm in and that kind of stuff and i feel like that idea yeah it's it's so central anarchy 101 <laughs> <laughs> is there any kind of chat that can link these things together any other thoughts that's sparking off these other things before we wrap up for for me there's like something linking around like what you were talking about before ali around the body experience and this idea you were just talking about sammy around like the cultural practices of a group um and how like our bodies can get used to experiencing conflict and being in relationships of care with each other um over time and I feel like because many of us don't necessarily have like great experiences of conflict in groups or don't experience like good practices of collective care in groups some of us do and it's amazing but not everybody has that and so it's like how do our bodies get into a state where it's like I'm okay here I can like be in this and I can have the the bandwidth to stretch to to meet these conflicts as they come in the moment and I can notice in my body when I'm freezing and I can like do some work on that that helps me shift into a place where I can meet whatever's coming um and it feels like they they're sort of cross weaving into like practicing like we might not get it like in the next meeting or the next one or the next one um but it's like this constant going towards trying out these new prefigurative other ways of being with each other and with ourselves in these maybe difficult spaces yeah that makes me think of what sammy was saying around cultural shift like a cultural shift is not just like an intellectual idea that we like now believe in transformative justice or whatever they are ideas they are like values that we have to think about and change in our minds but also are baked into our bodies through like living in these societies and like the somatic course i did with uh the strozzi institute the one the way that they phrase embodied when something is embodied it is like uh you've practiced it so many times that even under stress you react the way you want to do rather than mm. the way that you've been acculturated <laughs> acculturated is that a word, That's a word. <laughs> acculturated yeah who knows <laughs> The way that you've been trained through society. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's really helpful to mm. link those two pieces together. Yeah, and I think there is something around, and I guess this is where it comes to like our like our politics coming into our approach, right? Like, there's a, there's a zine, there's about a different thing that I read ages ago, um, uh, that's about like like political terrorism and like blowing shit up and stuff like that. But it's got the really good name of you can't blow up a social relationship which i think is it's a phrase i think a lot when we're talking about things like this for different reasons to how they intended it is like a, when it comes to these kind of like th- these practices are maintained through the mm. network of how we all interact with each other as individuals and collectively and that's not a thing which you can just be like bam 
we're doing something different today and then it magically goes different like it's a collective (laughs) exactly like it's a safer spaces policies an episode coming up later but we've got like a it's it's that you it's a practice that is inherently collective and like you were saying Catherine, like you can do individual reflections and obviously like you like you are a you're a node in that web right so like there's always stuff that you can do independently but it's never a thing that you can do solely independently like it is an inherently collective endeavor like shifting group cultures and when people try and do it on their own often tends to be when people lose their minds <laughs> in groups and like really went us the bone trying to like <laughs> drag a horse to water or whatever the relevant idiom would be mm-hmm. nice um cool i think we're kind of okay to wrap things up here we had like some bullet points of what we wanted to talk to about and then i feel like this conversation has like spiraled in a really like generative way (laughs) and uh yeah it's been really fun to like see how those links go going on and i've enjoyed it um the main point we wanted to start it off thinking about was like the ideas that we have in our heads known or unknown are going to impact how we think about conflict and where we kind of ended up is like shifting those ideas is a cultural and embodied practice and that's really hard so we got to keep working at it yeah, little by little through practice and through listening to all these episodes <laughs> great plug great yeah. plug they're, they're already listening so doesn't really work. <laughs> the end great peace out everyone bye <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Resistant Review Podcast. As ever, thanks to Klaus for letting us use this song, Neff, for the backing track. And shout out to Rowan for doing the transcripts this season. If you want to find out more about Resistant Renew as a training collective, check out our website, resistrenew.com. There's also transcripts of all the other podcast episodes there. And we're on all the other socials, so you can follow us and do all that jazz. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash resist renew. So if you want to send us some money to support the production of this podcast, please do so there. And that's it for this week. So thanks much and catch you next time. Bye bye.